Hello, my students. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we are going to learn contractions, the secrets of contractions. Why do people use contractions? Is there a difference in meaning when we use contractions and when we don't use contractions? Well, you have to listen to the podcast to find out. So, what are contractions, first of all? Well, think of when someone says, I'm going to the park, instead of saying, I am going to the park. Or when someone says, I'll tell him tomorrow, instead of saying, I will tell him tomorrow. So, in this podcast, we are going to learn how to properly pronounce these contractions. Contractions. When two words become one, they become friends. They become so close that they become one. One word. So, we are also going to learn how speaking without contractions can be used for emphasis. And how sometimes contractions change the meaning of words altogether. All right. So, it's important to understand that most native English speakers use contractions. So, nine out of ten times, if you're walking in the city or if you're walking in the mall and you listen to how people talk, most of the times they are going to say, I'm going to the mall instead of saying, I am going to the mall. Now, there's a reason for this. And some teachers may tell you that speaking without contractions is more formal. Now, sometimes and very few times this is true, but most of the time it's not. You see, the truth is that people, even when they are in job interviews or even when they are at a business meeting or they are talking with the president or giving a speech, they use contractions. So what's the difference then? What's the difference between using contractions and not using contractions? Well, before we get there, let's talk about pronunciation. Because many students have been pronouncing these contractions incorrectly without even realizing it. And this may be because their teachers never taught them how to properly pronounce contractions or the students were never able to learn for themselves. Okay, let's take I'm first. I'm, which is the contraction of I am. By the way, when you say I am, it's not I am, ah, ah, no. In American English, it's am, a, ah, am. And you've probably heard me say that if a word ends with a and m, or a and n, it doesn't receive a ah, it receives a ea, ea. So man is man, not man. Think of the word Sam, the name. It's ea, Sam. For my Spanish listeners, you know how you say read, lea, ea, ea? That's how you say am. I am. Okay, so we're talking about the contraction of. I am, which is I'm. But is it? Is it I'm? Or is it um? Hmm. Well, listen to me say something with I'm. And then listen to me say it with um. Remember, we're talking about pronunciation, not about how the word is written. There's a difference. Are you ready? Okay. I'm going to the park tomorrow. That's one. I'll say it again. I'm going to the park tomorrow. Okay. Now, listen to this. I'm going to the park tomorrow. I'll do it again. I'm going to the park tomorrow. Which one sounds more natural? I'm going to the park tomorrow? Or, I'm going to the park tomorrow. I'm going to the park tomorrow. The truth is that when people speak... And they contract 
I am into I'm. They don't say I'm. No. They say um. I'm going to the park. And that uh from um is very, very brief. You barely say that uh. It's mostly like you're closing your lips to say, mm, I'm going to the park tomorrow. That's how people talk. And this is very important. This is why when students learn to speak, they learn English. Then they go to the United States. They go to the U.S. And they listen to people talk. And they say, what's happening? This is not what I was taught. I was taught something else. This is a different language. What is happening? Well, what's happening, my students, is that you were not taught how people actually talk. Okay? Let's look at another one. Let's look at another one. I will. I will. What's the contraction of I will? I-L-L, right? Instead of saying, I will go to the park, People say, I'll go to the park. No, people don't say I'll. That I'll is not used in that way. I'll, the contraction of I will, is spelled I-L-L. But I don't say I'll. Now, let's do the same thing that we did with I'm. I'm going to pronounce I will contracted differently. And you tell me which one sounds more natural. Are you ready? Okay. I'll go to the park tomorrow. I'll go to the park tomorrow. Okay, that's one. Now listen to the other one. I'll go to the park tomorrow. I'll go to the park tomorrow. Let's do it again. I'll go to the park tomorrow or I'll go to the park tomorrow. I'll go to the park tomorrow. The second one sounds more natural, right? Because the truth is when you contract I will, it's not pronounced I'll. No, it's ow. Like when someone punches you or hits you, you say ow. Ow, right? I'll go to the park tomorrow. Now, it's important to understand that we don't say ow. No, that ow is very brief, very short. Ow. I'll never let go. I'll go to the park tomorrow. I'll go to the park tomorrow. I'll go to the park tomorrow. Not I'll, I'll. Okay. And we can even get more specific. So, for example, if the word after I'll, right? We know it's not I'll, but I'm just saying I'll. So you know which word I'm talking about. The word after I'll, right? I will. If it begins with a consonant, as in I'll go, go to the park tomorrow, that go starts with G, and G is a consonant. We say out. But if you want to sound natural, and the word after I will, the contracted I will, which is out, begins with a vowel, then we pronounce the L from I, L, L, which is the contraction of I will. So let's say that the question is, I will ask him tomorrow. Okay, so the word after will is what? Ask, right? So you can, if you want to, say, I'll ask him tomorrow. I'll ask him tomorrow. You can say that. And you can get away with it. That's fine. That's okay. But if you want to sound natural, and that word after I will begins with a vowel, you can pronounce that L. So, instead of saying, I'll ask him tomorrow, which, like I said, you can say if you want to, but if you want to sound natural, you can say, I'll ask him tomorrow. Did you hear the L? I'll do it again. I'll ask him tomorrow. I'll ask him tomorrow. I'll ask him tomorrow. Did you hear that? I'll do it again. I'll ask him tomorrow. You see? So, 
with go, which begins with a consonant, you say, I'll go tomorrow. I'll go tomorrow, right? Now, I'll go, no, because that G is a consonant. So you say, I'll go tomorrow. But if the word after I will begins with a vowel, you can use that L from I'll, right? Not I'll. We know it's not I'll, but I'm saying I'll so that you can know which one I'm talking about. The contraction of I will. I'll ask him tomorrow. I'll eat this tomorrow. You see, I'll eat this tomorrow, which is I will eat this tomorrow. Okay? So that's a nice secret to know about pronunciation if you want to sound more natural. Okay, so there's also other contractions that we can talk about, about pronunciation. So we have, they will go tomorrow. They will go tomorrow. Now, what's the contraction of they and will? They will. They'll, right? They'll go tomorrow. Or you can say they'll go tomorrow. If you're, if you're talking fast, you can say they'll. Just they'll. It's spelled T-H-E-Y-L-L. But we don't say they'll. They'll go tomorrow. No. They'll go tomorrow. They'll go tomorrow. They'll go tomorrow. It's like you're saying they'll. They'll. They'll go tomorrow. We have he will. He will. And it's spelled, the contraction is spelled H-E-L-L, but we pronounce it he'll. He'll go tomorrow. He'll ask him. He'll go tomorrow. You see? It's like you're saying the word he'll. H-E-A-L. He'll. He'll go tomorrow. He'll go tomorrow. You see? And you apply the same rule. As in, I'll ask him. I'll ask him tomorrow. He'll ask him tomorrow. You see? He will ask him tomorrow. You can say, he'll ask him tomorrow. But that ask begins with a vowel, right? So, do you say, he'll ask him tomorrow? Oh yeah, if you want to. But, you can also say, he'll ask him tomorrow. You can pronounce that L before ask. Because ask begins with a vowel. All right, let's move on to the next one. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him. You see? Now, what's the contraction of going and to? I'm going to tell him. It's gonna. Gonna. So, going to turns into gonna. And you may ask, why does going to turn into gonna? How is that possible? Well, think of going to. The word going, right, is spelled G-O-I-N-G. But do you pronounce that G at the end? Think about it. Do you say going g? No. That G is almost silent. So it's like you're saying going. Going. Right? And then what comes after going? Going to. And what letter does to start with? It starts with T. And if you think about it, N and T are almost the same sound. And I can prove it to you. Make the T sound. T. T. What's happening with your tongue? Where is it going? It's going behind your teeth on the top. Ta, ta. And you're releasing it. Ta, ta. Now make the N sound. Na, na. What's happening with your tongue? The exact same thing. Your tongue goes behind your teeth, your top teeth, for T and for N. The only difference is with that with T, the sound comes from your mouth, and with N, the sound comes from your nose. Try to make the N sound while, at the same time, covering your nose. You can't make the sound. Your cheeks will puff up because the sound comes from your nose. 
So my point in explaining this to you, my students, is that since you don't pronounce that G after going, it's like that N and that T come together, they become friends, they combine, and maybe they're very good friends. Maybe they can even have a baby. And that baby is na. So we have going to turning into gonna. I'm going to tell him. I'm gonna tell him. And later on in this podcast, we are going to see how saying it with gonna actually changes the meaning of what you're saying. And you will understand what I am talking about when I explain it to you. For now, just understand that most native English speakers say gonna. I'm gonna tell him. Now, when you think about it, there's two different types of going. You have the going of I'm gonna tell him, I'm going to tell him. That going is marking the future, right? You're telling him in the future. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to eat rice tomorrow. I'm going to drink juice tomorrow. That going is for the future. Now, we have another going, right? We have the going of direction. For example, Hey Daniel, where are you going? I'm going to the store right now. It's not talking about the future. It's talking about direction. Now, my point in explaining this to you is that there's two different goings or there's two different going to and we contract or we pronounce the contraction for these two different going to's differently. All right. So we have the going to of talking about the future. And that's the one that I taught you already. I'm going to tell him I'm gonna tell him that's two different going to. And we also have the going of direction. And that's the one that I'm going to teach you now. Or, if I may, that I'm gonna teach you now in a few seconds. I'm going to the store. Now, you can't say, I'm gonna the store. I'm gonna the store. No. We say, I'm going to the store. But, if you're contracting, you say, I'm going to the store. I'm going to the store. So that N and that T, they come together, like with going to turning into gonna. But this time we have, I'm going to the store. Listen to how people talk. And you'll see that most of the time they say, I'm going to the store. I'm going na. That two turns into na. I'm going na the store. I'm going another store. That's a going to for direction, right? You're going somewhere. You're heading somewhere, right? You can also say, I'm heading to the store. I'm going to the store or I'm going to the store or I'm heading to the store. Now, it's important for you to understand that when I teach you this, my students, I'm not teaching you rules that you have to use when you talk. No. I'm teaching you the way that people, native English speakers, already talk. This is how they talk. If you want to imitate the way that most people talk, you can do that if you want. If you want to sound like someone who's learning the language, you can say, I'm going to the store. But you can also say, I'm going to the store. You can say, I'm going to the store or... I'm going to the store. Now, if you don't want to talk this way, don't worry. If you still want to say, I'm going to the store, say that. But it's important to remember that people do talk this way. Because by understanding this, you will be able to better understand when people speak. It will help you with your listening ability. Okay, so that was pronunciation. Now, let's talk about meaning and emphasis. When people don't use contractions, they purposely do this when they want to show emphasis. How? I'll teach you. 
See, I said I'll. Not I'll teach you, but I'll teach you. I'll teach you. Anyway, let's say that I'm washing the dishes. I'm washing the dishes. You walk into the kitchen and you ask me, Daniel, what are you doing? I'm going to say, I'm washing the dishes. I'm washing the dishes. Remember, we say um. I'm washing the dishes. Not I'm washing the dishes, but I'm washing the dishes. But what if you ask me, Daniel, can you please wash the dishes? But I am already washing the dishes. How can I tell you that I am already washing the dishes without using the word already? We show that we are already washing the dishes by saying, I am washing the dishes. You see? And you put more stress, more emphasis on am. I am washing the dishes, right? So Daniel, please eat the cake. I am eating the cake. I am washing the dishes. Daniel, please pick this up. I am picking this up. You're showing that you're already doing it. You're putting emphasis. And the way that you do this is by separating the contraction. You see? So the contraction is used most of the time when you're just speaking. But we separate the contraction for emphasis. I am going. I am listening to this podcast. If I had told you, Make sure you listen to the podcast. But teacher, I am listening to the podcast. You're already doing it. We also have to understand that there are times where we cannot contract. Let's say that you're with your friends. And I say, who's listening to the podcast? And only one of you is listening to the podcast. And the one who is listening to the podcast looks to me and says, well, he is not, but I am. You see, I said I am, but I can't contract that I am if it's at the end of the sentence. So I can't say he is not, but I'm. No, we can only contract I am if it's at the beginning of the sentence or if it's in the middle of the sentence, but never if it's at the end of the sentence. Since we're talking about rules of contraction when we can and when we can't contract, let's talk about the word have. Have. Now, if you think about it, there are different types of have. We have the have of, I have two cups of water. I have two cups of water. Here, this have is one of possession. It means that you are in possession of two cups of water. And we also have, I have to go. As in, I need to go. Which, if you think about it, they mean two different things, but you know which one I'm talking about. I have to go is almost like, I need to go. And we also have the have of, I have seen him. Right? I have seen him before. I have seen him. That's a different type of have. Okay? Now, why is this important? Well, we can contract I and have sometimes. And sometimes we can't. For example, with the have in I have seen him, you can say, I've seen him. I've seen him. Or you can say, I have seen him. If you want to emphasize, remember? For example, someone says, You've never seen him. You have never seen him before. And I want to show them that I indeed have seen him. I want to emphasize that I have. I can say, What do you mean? I have seen him before. That have can be contracted. But the have of possession and the have that we know means need cannot be contracted, at least not in American English. So we have, I have two cups of water, but you can't say, I have two cups of water, or I have to go. No, you can say, I have two cups of water, and I have to go, 
but we can't contract that. We can contract, however, I have seen him, as in, I've seen him. It's also important to understand that there are different ways of contracting. For example, we have the phrase, he is not going with you. Now, how would you contract that? He is not going with you. Well, you can say, he isn't going with you. And there, we're contracting is and not together. Is and not become friends. And they become so close that they become one word. So, instead of he is not, you have he isn't. But you can also say he's not. And here, you're contracting he and is. And they mean the same thing. He isn't and he's not. The same thing happens with you are not. You are not eating tacos tomorrow. By the way, I love tacos. I love Mexican food. But this is not a podcast about food. This is a podcast about English. So let me keep talking about English. You are not eating tacos tomorrow. You can say you aren't eating tacos tomorrow. And with aren't, you're contracting are and not. Or you can say, you're not eating tacos tomorrow. These two contractions mean the same thing. Why is this important? Well, it's important to know the different ways of saying the same thing. Because when you learn the different ways of saying the same thing, you are able to better express yourself and you will not forget what you have to say. You aren't eating tacos tomorrow or you're not eating tacos tomorrow. Now, let's talk about how sometimes contractions change the meaning of a phrase. So, for example, I mentioned how going to when talking about the future. Not the going to from I'm going to the park. That's one of direction where you can also say I'm heading to the park. No, but the going to of the future. I'm going to eat tacos tomorrow. It means that you're going to do it tomorrow. That going to is contracted to gonna. I'm gonna eat tacos tomorrow. Or I'm gonna run tomorrow. I'm gonna run tomorrow is the contracted version of I'm going to run tomorrow. Now, I'm going to is used specifically for when you want to make a point. For example, if someone tells me, you're not going to run tomorrow. They, for some reason, don't want me to run tomorrow. If I want to show them that I am going to run tomorrow, that's how I say it. So I'll say, I'm going to run tomorrow. And I don't care what you say. Instead of saying, I'm going to run tomorrow. Again, we're using the uncontracted version of gonna, which is going to, for emphasis. And if you want to show extra emphasis, you can even uncontract I'm into I am. So, I'm going to run tomorrow can be I'm going to run tomorrow or I am going to run tomorrow. And I don't care what you say. You see how sometimes contractions change the meaning of words. Now, sometimes it completely changes the meaning of the word. So, for example, we have let's go. Let's go, as in let's go to the park or let's go to the movies. Now, think about it. Let's. Let's. That's a contraction. But a contraction of what? It's a contraction of let us. So, let's go without contraction, is let us go. But if you think about it, we don't say let us go when we're talking about going somewhere. If I'm with my friends, I'm not going to say, let us go to the movies. No. The truth is that let us has its own function, and we use it to ask for permission. So, for example, I'm in my house with my friends. 
and I want to ask my mother for permission to allow us to go to the park. I can say, Mom, please let us go to the park. Let us go to the park. That's a way of asking for permission. And if she says yes, then I can turn to my friends and say, Okay, let's go. You see, the contraction has changed the meaning of the word completely. Now, there's a different function of let us, and that's to release us. For example, let's say that I'm with my friend and we are walking in the city and two men grab us and they don't let us go. I can say, let us go, as in release us, let us go. So there's two different functions for let us. And let's, which is the contraction of let us, has its own function. And that function is to go somewhere or do something together. Let's go. Let's eat. Let's watch this movie. Let's do this together. All right. I know that this lesson was very, very deep. I spoke a lot about pronunciation, grammar, and how people talk, how people actually talk. It's very important for you to watch, or I'm sorry, not watch. This is a podcast, not a video. So it's very important for you to listen to this again. Maybe not today, but in a few days, listen to this podcast again so that you can learn. Now, if you're someone who would like to improve their English and you don't want to take private classes, I want to talk to you about the private DC English community where you can enjoy live lessons, homework, daily activities for only $1 per day. That's right, only $1 per day you can receive homework, daily activities, feedback, and live lessons from Monday through Saturday. Which by the way, if you missed the live lesson, you can replay it for 24 hours. So if you're interested in this, there's a link in this podcast or you can send me a private message to my Instagram. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. If you have any questions, then ask me through Instagram. That's all for today. See you next time. Hello and welcome to the English Classroom. My name is Daniel and today I'm going to teach you about intensifiers. Now, what is an intensifier? Well, let's say that it's cold outside. You can say it's cold outside, but you can also say that it's very cold outside. That word very is intensifying how cold it is outside. You can also say that it's so cold outside. And you can also say that it's too cold outside. Now these three different intensifiers mean three different things. Now, what if I told you that there is a special and unique way that you can express yourself when you want to intensify something? Because you don't always want to say very. We have words like freezing cold, stone cold, and other ways of expressing yourself. Now, what's the point of language? Well, the point of language is to be able to express yourself in the best possible way. And this means being able to convey your thoughts correctly and accurately to the other person. And we do this in English and in every other language when we use specific words and different types of vocabulary. Now, before we start talking about the different ways of saying very, I want to clear something up. And that's the difference between really and very. Now, someone may have told you that these two mean the same thing. Someone may have told you that if you say, I'm very sorry, and I'm really sorry, that you mean the same thing. You're just intensifying how sorry you are. But I want to talk to you about this because that's not how it works in English. The truth is that if you say, I'm very sorry, you're saying something completely different than when you say, I'm really sorry. Why? 
Well, think about this. When you say I'm very sorry, you're intensifying how sorry you are. But think of the word really. What word do you find in there? Well, you find the word real. Really. So this means that you're being genuine. When you say I'm really sorry, you're doing two things. Yes, you're intensifying how sorry you are a little bit. But most importantly, you're showing the other person that you are genuinely sorry, that you mean what you say. So if you say it's very cold outside, you're intensifying how cold it is. But if you say it's really cold outside, you're doing two things. You're intensifying how cold it is outside, but you're also allowing the person to understand how you feel about the situation, that you mean what you say, that you are being real about the subject. And we know this because think about it. In a conversation, what do we usually say when we are talking with someone and they say something that's surprising? Don't we usually say, really? Why are we saying, really? Well, we're showing the person that we care about what they're saying. We don't say, very? So there are times where you can use very, but there are also times where you can't use really. And there are times where you can use really when you can't use very. These two words mean two different things. Now, are you ready for the best part of the lesson? Well, I hope you are, because I am. Now, there are different ways of saying very. We don't always want to use very when we intensify something. Very is a good word. I like the word very. But there are other ways that we can use words to convey the same thought. For example, let's say that it's cold outside. Well, you can say it's very cold outside, but what if you want to intensify that? You can say it's freezing cold outside. The word freezing here is the same as very, but you're using it to intensify cold. Let's look at another one. You can say it's new. The car is new. But what if you want to say that it's very new? That's fine. You can say that. Now, is there a different word that we can use? Yes. We can use the word brand. We can say the car is brand new. And by saying that the car is brand new, you're saying that it's very, very new. Now, the word brand by itself means something completely different. But here, when you use it next to the word new, it means very. Now, it's important to understand that this word brand is uniquely used as very in this situation when it's next to new. So we wouldn't say it's brand cold outside to, to mean very cold outside. No, you would say it's very cold or it's freezing cold. Now the word brand is specifically there to mean very when it's next to new. You can also say that it's brand spanking new. And that's another way of saying it to intensify it even more. Now, let's look at the word red. Something can be very red, but if you want to be specific and you want to talk about someone's eyes being red, you can say his eyes are very red, but remember, we want to stay away from the word very if we want to sound more native and if you want to be more specific or if we want to intensify a little bit more. What word can we use? We can say his eyes are bloodshot red. And by saying bloodshot red, you say very red. But you sound more native and you're being more specific. Now, it's important to understand that bloodshot is usually used with someone's eyes. So if someone's face is red, we wouldn't say his face is bloodshot red. No, bloodshot means very but only when it's used next to eyes, or most of the time. Now, let's look at another one. The word open, as in the opposite of closed. Now, the door can be open, but what if, what if it's very open? You can say, he left the door very open, but native English speakers don't use it like that. They say, he left the door wide open. 
And the word wide here means very. Now remember, we don't say it's wide cold outside. We say it's freezing cold outside. We don't say it's wide new to mean very new. No, these intensifiers have their own specific place where they belong in the English language. And the word wide here means very, next to open. Now, what if someone's rich? Well, you can say he's rich, and you can say he's very rich, but what other word can we use? We can say he's filthy rich, and by saying filthy, you mean very. In fact, you mean very, very rich. Now, let's look at the word poor. You can say he is poor. You can say he's very poor. Now, you can also say he's dirt poor. And by saying that he's dirt poor, you're intensifying how poor the person is. And this word dirt can also be used with cheap. If something is cheap, it's very cheap. Cheap means not expensive. So you can say that car is cheap, but what if it's very cheap and you want to intensify that? You can say it's dirt cheap. By saying dirt cheap, you're intensifying how cheap that item is. Now, we have a phrase like thin, a word like thin. Now, what if someone is very thin? What if someone is too thin? You can say he's very thin, but you can also say he's stick thin. And by saying stick thin, you're intensifying how thin the person is. Someone is strong, but what if you want to be more specific? Because you can say he's very strong, but just because he's very strong doesn't mean that he uses his strength for something good. What if you have someone who's strong who you know uses his strength for something good? You would say he's mighty strong. And by saying mighty strong, you mean very strong, but you're specifying that he uses his strength for something good. Very strong, mighty strong. They're not the same thing. Now, Sometimes the word very, or the word that represents very, can go at the end of a sentence, or the end of a phrase. For example, what if, something is, what if something is burnt? Burnt. Well, you can say it's very burnt, but you can also say that it's burnt crisp. And the word crisp here means very. The eggs were burnt crisp. That means that they were very burnt. Now, we talked about cold. And we said how instead of saying very cold, you can say freezing cold. But we have another phrase that we can use, stone cold. Now, we use this in very specific situations, and we usually use it when we want to mean that something is cold unexpectedly. What does this mean? Well, for example, dinner. Think of dinner. Is a dinner supposed to be cold or hot most of the time? Well. Most of the time, a dinner is hot. So, what if a dinner happens to be cold? You don't expect it to be cold. So you would say, the dinner was stone cold. That means that you don't expect it to be cold. So for example, the kids got home late, or they arrived home late, and the dinner was stone cold. Now, the kids don't expect the dinner to be cold. That's why it's stone cold. Another example, the man noticed that the tea was stone cold. Now this means very cold, stone cold. Stone here means very, but it's specifically used to mean that it's counter-expectationally cold. That means that you don't expect it to be cold. The dinner or the tea was very cold because usually tea is hot, unless you're drinking iced tea. I love iced tea. All right. Now. The phrase itself, stone cold, can mean very, because what I taught you before, stone means very, but stone cold, the entire phrase, can mean very in very specific situations. What am I talking about? Well, what does sober mean? Sober. If someone is sober, it means the opposite of drunk. If you're drunk, it means you drank too much and you're like, oh, and you're out of control. If you're sober, it's the opposite. Now. Let's say that you're in the car driving and the cops stop you and you look and the cop says, the cop is the, the police officer, he says, have you been drinking? You can say, sir, I am sober. I am very sober. 
But instead of saying very sober, you can say, I'm stone cold sober. And the phrase stone cold here means very, very. Now, what's another way we can use stone cold? Well, cold has many definitions. Cold can mean something that is the opposite of hot. But cold can also mean that someone has no emotions or someone doesn't show their emotions. So, have you heard of the phrase cold-blooded killer? A cold-blooded killer is someone who plans to kill someone and doesn't care and doesn't feel anything afterwards. Now, you can say he's a cold-blooded killer, but you can also say he's a stone-cold killer. Stone-cold killer, you can say means very killer, but we don't say very killer, but we can say stone-cold killer. And stone-cold here means very. It's intensifying how much of a killer the person is. Now, let's look at the word dead, since we're talking about killing, right? Dead. The word dead can be used to intensify as well. But dead is different. Why? Because dead can be used with different words. You know how brand can only be used with new? Brand new, it's very new. Well, the word dead can be used with more than one word, and that makes it special. So for example, you can say you're tired. I'm tired. You can also say I'm very tired. And you can also say you're exhausted, right? But what if you want to say that you're very tired? You can say I'm dead tired. And dead here means very. I'm dead tired. I'm very tired. Now, what if someone is wrong, as in the opposite of right? You can say, you, my friend, are wrong. You can also say, you are very wrong. But what if we don't want to use very? There is where the word dead comes in. You can say, you are dead wrong. Dead wrong means very wrong. Now, what if you're bored? You can say, I'm bored. I'm very bored. But you can also say, I'm dead bored. And the word dead here means very. Now, speaking of dead, what if someone is beautiful? You can say, she is beautiful. You can also say, she is very beautiful. Now, if you want to intensify that, there's vocabulary that you can use to do that. You can say, she is gorgeous. Gorgeous means extremely beautiful. Now, it's important to understand since, that since gorgeous is the top of the shelf, you can't get more beautiful than that. Well, you can, but I'm going to teach you how. You can intensify gorgeous, but you can't say she's very gorgeous. It doesn't sound right because gorgeous is already very beautiful. It's redundant. It sounds redundant. But this is where you can use another word that means very to intensify gorgeous. So you can say she's beautiful. She's very beautiful. She's gorgeous. And then you can't say she's very gorgeous, but you can say she is drop dead gorgeous. And the phrase here, drop dead, means very. But it doesn't sound weird when you say drop dead. It sounds weird when you say very, but it doesn't sound weird when you say drop dead. She's drop dead gorgeous. Now, let's talk about the word to and so. Now, you can say it's very cold outside, but what if you say it's too cold outside? It's too cold outside, what's the difference? Well, if it's very cold or freezing cold like we learned, you're just intensifying how cold it is. But if you say it's too cold, you're saying that it's colder than you expected, colder than you desired, or colder than it needs to be. And this word too can be used to intensify almost anything or any adjective. Now, let's talk about the word so. Because you can say it's very cold outside, but you can also say that it's so cold outside. So what's the difference between these two? Well, here, they mean the same thing. It's very cold, it's so cold. They're both used as intensifiers. But the word so is different because it functions in other situations as well. In fact, it functions in situations where very can't be used. And it functions as a way to show how you feel about a situation. What are you talking about? Don't worry, I'm going to explain everything I just said. So, let's say that you are waiting for your friend. And your friend goes to use the bathroom. And they take like two hours in the bathroom. 
two hours. Now they're taking a long time. In fact, you can see that they are taking a very long time. So when they come back, you want to show them and you want to tell them that they took very long. You were waiting for two hours, but you don't only want to tell them that they were, that you were waiting very long. You also want to show them how you feel. And there are certain words that you can use to, to do this. Remember how I taught you that the word really is different because it's used as a way of showing how you feel, that you mean what you say. I'm very sorry. You're intensifying sorry. I'm really sorry. You're intensifying sorry, but you're also showing that you mean what you say. Really is one of those words. It does two things. It intensifies and it shows how you feel. The word so is similar because when your friend comes back from the bathroom, you can say, what took you so long? You want to know why they were gone for such a long time. So you say, what took you so long? You can't say what took you very long because the word very is used only to intensify. It's very cold. She took very long. But in this situation, you're using the word so to show your friend that you're not happy with them taking such a long time. And you're using it to intensify how long they took. What took you so long? And we use that phrase when someone took a long time, more time than expected, more time that they needed to be, right? You wouldn't say what took you too long. You would say so. So is unique in that way. It's different from very because it shows how you feel about a specific situation. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson on intensifiers. And I hope that you watch the lesson again because this was a very intensive lesson. Now, that's all for today. See you next time.